Well, good morning, friends. I'm so excited that you joined us today in making uh, our worship gathering a priority. Uh, every one of you is special. And I tell you, I just love shepherding you. I just wanted to say that. Uh, it's a great job that I have, a great responsibility. And I tell you, it just, you know, this church has transformed my life, my wife's life, and my kids' lives. And you guys have been so kind to me, and uh, I just want to thank you uh, for that. It means a lot. Well, Thanksgiving Day is coming up. I just want to get an idea about how far you are traveling. How many are staying in the Chicagoland area? Okay. How many are driving to another state? Okay. Uh, anybody taking a flight? Flight somewhere. Anybody out of the country? Well, you'd have to take a flight to get out of the country, I guess. Or you could take a boat, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I tell you what. You know, I encourage you to start praying today for your family gathering. Now, I don't know how dysfunctional or functional you guys are. You know? <laughs> but the point is, is say, God, give me an opportunity to speak of my faith. Maybe you're the one they ask to pray because you're the only Christian in the bunch, right? But, but again, if you ask for the opportunity, it will come. And you don't have to you know, pull out the three circles for the gospel. You can just say, hey, you know, just tell about your church experience and your church friends. That's a way of, of again, uh, telling about uh, the gospel and uh, the body of Christ. So, what are you thankful for? What are you thankful for? You know, I, I can't think of anything per se. And I'm thinking, oh, oh, that's right. I almost forgot. The Chicago Cubs. Does anybody not know here? The Chicago Cubs won the World Series. Come on now. Yeah. You know, we got to hang on to the Cub High to bear the bear season, Right? Oh, it's painful. Don't even watch. Just celebrate the Cubs. They're rebuilding this year. Whatever. Okay? <laughs> yeah, Black Friday is just around the corner. Four days away. Four days away. How many like Black Friday? Or early, th- late Thursday? <laughs> what is it? Six, eight o'clock they're going to now, unfortunately. Yeah, Black Friday, of course, is so important to the retail industry. In regards, they make like 30% of what they make all year round. The average family spends $750. Here's some pics. Uh, I love this one. This guy down here, I think he, he got his mom in the front of the line. Look at that. That's pretty impressive. But I love this picture here. <laughs> the woman in the red hair. <laughs> I've got it. <laughs> Look at the woman right in the middle there. She's been <laughs> against her face. Yeah, that's a little too much. <laughs> well, we've been talking about uh, how to manage money God's way. And we've talked about a godly perspective on money. The fact is that God wants your money. He doesn't really need your money. But he knows your heart is attached 
your money. Wherever your heart is, wherever your passion is, that's where your money is going to be. So he wants your heart. Last week we talked about actor wage, talked about reducing debt, talked about the debt snowball. Uh, Today we're talking about putting God first in our finances. And then next week, Rich, Pastor Rich, our executive pastor, he'll be teaching on saving and investing. Uh, He does a really good job in those areas, so uh, we would love to have you next week. Also, want to remind you about uh, the financial peace seminar that we have coming up. It's one thing, you know, to take four Sundays and talk about God's youth finances, some practical tips. But if you really want to get serious, I would encourage you to take this course. It's nine weeks. I know it's a long time, but it can change your financial future. It starts on Thursday nights, January 12th. Dave Green uh, will be... Uh, facilitating, of course, Dave Ramsey uh, is a presenter. But, but again, that is my heart. Why do I talk about this? Why do I talk about money and giving and things like that? Because I want you to experience financial freedom. And so many Americans don't experience that. And again, I don't want to put you on a guilt trip. Remember, all your sins are forgiven and gone, wiped off the books. But you always have to listen to the Spirit. If He's convicting you and you say, hey, this is, neat. This is an area of my life that I need to, to improve upon and ask God to work in, well, that, that's good because it's going to lead you to something much better. Matthew 6.19 Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Jesus Christ was uh, giving a sermon on the mount here. And so he talked about this particular issue. You have to remember that he was talking to impoverished people. People who only had maybe one or two sets of clothing. Uh, They hardly had anything, but... They probably had some jewels or uh, things that were very valuable that they would try to hide. Uh, Sometimes they would try to dig a hole in the back of the yard and put the jewels in there to hide it. Or they would go into their home and there are mud walls so that they would hide it there somewhere. Or many times wealthy people put their investments in their cloak. Uh, their outer covering, uh, and they'd have you know, all types of jewels put into it and made of gold and all that type of thing. Uh, so that was another way that they did it. And also storing grain. Now what it says here, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth, well, that destroys the clothes, right? Rust, that's the idea of insects eating away at the grain, and where thieves break in and steal. Let's go to the next one. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. We're all careful about our money, right? We're growing in that that knowledge of how God wants us to manage it. And uh, the point is, instead of spending 
your resources just on the earth. You need to send it on to heaven. And when you get there, those treasures are going to be waiting for you. I, I believe it's literal. The more you devote your life to God, the more you give faithfully to Him, you're storing treasures in heaven. And you say, well, that, that won't work because we can't be jealous in heaven. Somebody has some more. I don't know how it works. You're going to be perfectly fine and happy and joyous. Uh, but you might have some treasures. I, I don't even know what it means. But that is what Jesus Christ is talking about. Financial resources given to God's kingdom. Think of treasures in heaven. How are you doing at storing treasures in heaven? Matthew 6.21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Remember we talked about this, about the fact that God wants our heart right here. He wants our heart. He, he wants total commitment. He wants us to be devoted to Him. And again, money is a spiritual barometer in terms of how much you're giving and, and how you know, your heart goes there if you're giving to God. So you've got there, but sometimes we talk about we drift, you know, over to a car, investing in a car that we really don't need in that nice a car when we could be giving that money uh, to God. Or we might uh, just other stuff, home decor, clothes, hobbies, that type of thing. Nothing wrong with them, but God comes first. And everything else follows. And throughout Scripture, that is a banner. I want to be first. You say, well, that's kind of weird. No, it's not. Because He's God. He's our Creator. He is the one that we live for and the one that we'll live, uh, live in eternity with. Yeah, He has to be first in our lives. Exodus 13, 1 through 2. The Lord said to Moses, Consecrate to me all the firstborn, whatever is the first, to open the womb among the people of Israel, both of man and of beast, is mine. So again, we get this idea of the firstborn. You see it throughout uh, the Word of God. The way uh, that God arranged the law is that the firstborn would be treated special. They'd get two-thirds of the estate. Anybody firstborns here? I'm sorry you live in this day. <laughs> right? So it's all about the firstborn. And sometimes God switched it for different reasons. But the firstborn was certainly going to be the leader and take over the family business and all that uh, type of stuff. Now, you guys remember uh, with Moses and when they were slaves in Egypt uh, for 400 years, the Israelites. And, and of course, uh, Moses was going to go in there and uh, tell Pharaoh that he needed to let them go, let my people go. Yeah, and he sent ten plagues. And, and the last plague was the angel of death. And Moses told everyone in the uh, Jewish area that they needed to put the blood of a lamb over a door. And if they do that, this angel of death 
that was going to come through Egypt would not kill their firstborn. And sure enough, the Israelites did that, and their firstborn were saved. But all the other Egyptians, their firstborn died. Even Pharaoh, his son, died. What's significant about the firstborn? God says, I want to be first. I want the firstborn. You see, as we look at all these different things, what God does is He sets up reminders, especially as you study the law of the Old Testament, to remind people what life was all about. Right? Talk about the Shema, right? You should love the Lord your God with all your heart. Well, that was said two times a day. So, so again, He was always trying to get His people thinking about Him. We see it in this next verse. The best of the first fruits of your ground you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. So now they're talking about first fruits. The first fruits that, that ripen. That belongs to God. You're to bring it into the house of the Lord. Now the house of the Lord, of course, was uh, uh, the synagogue, uh, tabernacle, whatever it was back in that day. And they would bring it. And that's where God wanted it. That's the way God put together His church. He put together local bodies like this. And how are we going to support? You know, staff, building, other types of things. Well, it's through our giving together. Occasionally the government will give us some type of rebate. (laughs) But typically... Nobody from outside the church gives us a whole lot of money. So we're all dependent upon one another. It's very clear as you study the Old Testament, and we're going to see storehouse coming up here. The first 10% goes to the local body. Because, again, there are so many benefits that you get from being part of a local body. And you're asked by God to give to Him first. It just makes sense. That's the funding tool that God put together for, again, the Israelites and also for us. But the first fruits. John 1.29 The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, this is John the Baptist, who takes away the sin of the world. Do you get the picture now? Huh? In the Old Testament, they were sacrificing lambs and all other types of animals. But the lamb, we see a lot of emphasis upon. And, and they slaughtered a lamb once a year to atone for the sins of the Israelites. The lamb was a sacrifice. Again, God had his justice system set up, and he says, okay, to cover your sin, you need to sacrifice a lamb and some other things on the day of atonement. Now, we see this throughout the Old Testament, and what it was doing, it was foreshadowing Jesus Christ, right? The sacrificial system. 
it taught them about Jesus Christ. That's why you see Christ throughout the Old Testament. Because this was just a temporary fix for the Israelites. But God said that Jesus Christ was going to come. And He was going to redeem us. What does that mean, redeem us? That means to to buy something back or to set something free to redeem us. And of course, uh, our main problem is that we have a sin nature. And if we don't do anything about getting that free gift of salvation, you know, uh, we don't face an eternity with God. So, what God said again, okay, this is what will happen. I'm going to send my son. I'm going to send my firstborn. Right? Now again, Jesus Christ, the Father, the Holy Spirit, they've all been around, you know, way, way. There was never a beginning. Okay? But in a sense, he was the son of God. So he's the firstborn. So here we see God giving his tithe. His tie. And again, the fact that Jesus Christ came to die for us. 2 Corinthians 8, 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sake He became poor, so that you by His poverty might become rich. That's redemption, right? And we should have been slaughtered. But Jesus Christ paid the price for us that God needed to set us free. That though He was rich, well, of course Christ was rich. He was God. That though He was rich, yet for your sake, my sake, He became poor. He came to this earth and and lived as one of us, the God-man. And then he was crucified. Crucified on a tree. And, and he took the sins of the world upon him. And he died. That was the redeeming work of Jesus Christ. Instead of us dying spiritually, he died on our behalf. So that all we have to do now, if we don't know Jesus, if we haven't experienced uh, the new life found in Christ, we just ask for it in faith, and He'll give it to us. That so that you, by His poverty, might become rich. Are you rich in God? You always have to remind yourself who you are in Jesus Christ. Uh, I would encourage you to go to our website and download a document that says all the different things you are in Christ based on different uh, scriptures. Because that's where we need to find our identity. Not in this world. Uh, We're rich. (laughs) Think about how rich we are. I mean, God is now our Father. God's not the Father of everyone. Just those that He draws to Himself. He is our Father. And that means that He walks with us day by day. I know some of you are experiencing pain in your life right now. And 
You're discouraged. You're depressed. Jesus is with you even though you don't feel him. And he's ministering to you. And you just need to continue to trust. I often say, Lord, guide my thoughts. When I'm going through a tough time and I don't know what to do, I say just guide my thoughts, Lord. And, of course, the memorization and meditation of Scripture is a, is a discipline that we need to do as Christians to continue to keep our head in the game of being a partner in the gospel. So we are incredibly rich. And, of course, as we go to heaven, then we're really rich. Leviticus 27.30 Every tithe of the land, whether of the seed, of the land, or of the fruit of the trees, is the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. So let's talk about what, what does tithe mean. Sometimes confuse, sometimes people confuse giving with tithing. So they, they give so much money, oh, I gave my tithe. Well, in the Hebrew, it's masur, which means ten. So you're not tithing until you're giving 10%. It's a literal 10%. And people say, well, is it gross or net? Or <laughs> are you going to give first to the government so that your life might be blessed and you might honor God? I don't think so. Right? <laughs> it's on the whole thing. Because God wants us to honor Him first. He has given us everything. We own nothing. It's all entrusted to us. And He's instructed us, bring the tithe. Bring the tithe. Now, a lot of people say, well, you know, Dan, I don't believe in tithing because that's an Old Testament practice. Well, if you study it, and I would encourage you to study it. I mean, if this kind of gets your mind cooking, go home and look up Christian view of tithe and you learn a lot of information about it. But there are a lot of people who say, oh, that's the Old Testament. But again, we see Jesus Christ talked about the tithe to the Pharisees. And we speak of all types of generosity. And we are to be generous people as Christ followers. We are, given, we are to give to others. Right? And the thing that really... Um, is so helpful in understanding the Old Testament and the New Testament. Yes, there is a difference uh, in it. Anyway, the 10% really was kind of like the, the, the floor of giving. You started there at 10%. And in the New Testament, the standard is always higher, isn't it? I mean, I say, do not murder. And in the Old Testament, it says, do not murder. In the New Testament, it says, don't even think of murdering anybody. Old Testament, do not lust. Don't even think about <laughs> lusting toward a woman. Or do not commit adultery. Do not uh, lust. It's always a higher standard. I mean, think about it. Would you rather be an Israelite without the Holy Spirit, without His presence in your life? I mean, we have the greatest thing. Because Jesus Christ has completed His work, and therefore we feel all the wonderful things that Israelites didn't feel at times. So when people say they're a New Testament giver, I say, well, that's just great. That means you reach the floor and you are moving on up. 
right? You're moving on up. I mean, what? Just think about Why would God say, well, I want 10%. Really, they gave 23%. But uh, why would God say, hey, give whatever you want? It doesn't matter. Doesn't make any sense, right? So uh, that's why uh, I think this is so important for us to know. He says, oh, go back. I'm sorry. Go back one. Every tithe of the land, whether the seed of the land or the fruit of the trees, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. Holy means set apart. Holy means special. What God is saying, that first 10% of your income, that's His, right? It's mine. And you need to honor me in doing this because it's holy. <laughs> I mean, one of the reasons to tithe is, is you want to God bless all your income. Well, if you don't give the tithe, He's not going to bless it as well, right? You've got to honor Him first. So you give the 10%, and then he's going to bless the other 90%. That's just how he works and what he desires of us. Hebrews 11:6. And without faith it is impossible to please him. Whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists, and he rewards those who seek him. Now guys, when you think about this whole idea of a tithe, it's really crazy, isn't it? If you went to one of your people at work and said, yeah, I give 10% of my income to the church, they'd think you're part of a cult. They would. They were 10%. Are you out of your mind, man? It's crazy. Nobody does that. Well, there are some people who do. And you know who they are? They're Christ followers. Because what happens is the Holy Spirit comes in and starts to work on and different parts of our lives. And He transforms us. He empowers us. And He gives us the faith to give 10% or more. And really, at the fall, think about creation, Adam and Eve. I mean, they had everything they wanted. And I'm sure they were very gracious Except for that one time, unfortunately. Uh, and generous. Uh, but then the fall came. All right? And then the world went in just a total greed. Right? I want it all for myself. All for myself. So the way that we work against the word, world, according to the Bible, is that we put God first. We honor Him first because He's the one who's entrusted these resources to us. Friends, it takes faith. It takes a lot of faith, doesn't it? I mean, I say, okay, today I'm going to start to tithe. I say, I can't do that. I don't have the money. Well, that's when God shows up, right? God shows up, and all of a sudden, you see things happening that you haven't seen before. Some people might say, oh, I'm just really dry in my Christian life right now. And I say, I don't say this, but I say, start tithing. <laughs> right? That'll get things going, man, because then you're exercising your faith. So many Christ followers live in this little zone where they can take care of things. And just once in a while, they have to go out and get God's help. 
But, but here's the idea. Or the question, how much faith did you operate, operate on this past week? What were you really praying about? God, I don't want to do about this. This is very painful. I'm just going to put my faith in you in this situation. Many times your spiritual life is dry because you're not trusting God for anything. You're not going to Him in prayer and saying, God, I've got to have faith and I guarantee you, if you move to a tithe, you will develop faith. <laughs> right? I mean, you pray to God and say, God, this is crazy. It doesn't make sense to me, but... Again, I know that I'm a child of yours now, and you're the main thing in my life. I want to live for you, glorify you, and I don't want my heart to be taken away to different things, which so easily can be. So I'm going to tithe. I'm going to tithe for your glory. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. You know when you please God? is when you express faith in Him. When you give Him a situation that you would rather, you know, kind of micromanage. and uh, You give Him the situation first. Say, Lord, this is it. You know, tell me what to do. Provide. Give me wisdom. Right? That, that's faith. Again, how much faith are you practicing in your life? And again, I guarantee if you increase your giving, that's going to provide a need for faith that God will provide. He rewards us. Proverbs 3, 9, 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Honor the Lord with what? With the tithe of your produce. And he promises that he is going to bless you. Now, there are all different types of ways that God blesses you. It's not like God is some type of uh, big co- cosmic vending machine where, you know, you put the money in and it comes out uh, you know, a certain percentage on the dollar. No, that's not how it works. Sometimes he blesses you financially, right? But sometimes he blesses you in a relationship with your wife or, or with your children. You know, pray for your family every day. If you don't do anything else, pray for your family. Pray for your kids and your wife and whoever else because they need your prayers. Express faith for them. You know, like you have an adult son and they're going in the wrong direction. Well, just ask God, Lord, give my son a clear understanding of who you are and that he should have faith. I'm having faith that you will do this. Think of other blessings. Think of uh, somebody came up and I think it was Michael, our producer today. And he was just so grateful for this family. He's been here many years and uh, Michael and Shanna, Mark shot. And, uh, and I agreed with him. I said, yeah, this is a cool place, isn't it? We got a lot of great people. Everybody's great, right? <laughs> Everybody's great. That's right. Deuteronomy fourteen twenty three. 
and before the Lord your God in the place that he will choose to make his name dwell there, you shall eat the tithe of your grain, of your wine, and of your oil, and the firstborn of your herd and flock, that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. What's the purpose of the tithe? Is to remind you every time uh, your paycheck is deposited, that when you give that 10%, say, God is the director of my life. He's my Lord. And I want to keep my heart focused on Him. And if I put my treasure, if I put my treasure in Him and His kingdom, my heart's going to stay there. You ever notice how, you know, you might invest in GM and all of a sudden you're always reading the paper. Well, what's happening with GM stock, right? Well, it's the same thing. When you invest in God's kingdom, your heart is going to naturally follow. And you're going to become more like Jesus. Malachi 3.9 brings us back to a familiar passage. Malachi is the uh, last book of the Bible. And he's a minor prophet. And Malachi was, again, a prophet to, uh, to the people in Israel there. And, and the Israelites just had gone back to their old ways. They're just going through the motions. If they were told, you know, hey, you've got to bring a lamb. Instead of finding the best lamb, they would find the one on the verge of death. <laughs> Doesn't that help? Doesn't that sacrifice it? I mean, just the minimum. And God was angry with them. So, he says, you are cursed with a curse. For you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Now, how do you rob God? Well, let's look. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And therefore, put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Huh, interesting, huh? Bring the full tithe where? Into the storehouse, your local church. That there may be food in my house. To, that's one of the purposes of the tithe is to provide for the church. And thereby put me to the test. God never says that. We're not supposed to test God. But in this one instance, he says, test me out and see what happens. Test me out and see what happens. And thereby put me to the test as Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Friends, I testify to the fact that that is true. Lori and I have done our best to tithe through our marriage. And he's always... Provide it, man. It's, it's what grows your faith, right? If you express faith and then he comes through and says, wow, God, it's supernatural. <laughs> there are other things he could do in my life if I just express faith in him. I don't know how many cars we've been given over the years. Yes, <laughs> uh, and she wasn't sure either. Maybe five or six or seven. People just give us cars, you know. Why? Because we were honoring God and He was taking care of our needs. Uh, 
And then one family sponsored our kids uh, through a Christian school. Uh, I don't know, it was like four years. Imagine that. That's God's supernatural power. I can remember Dennis giving us free braces for Brian. I mean, where's that come from, huh? That comes from supernatural faith saying, God, we know you will provide. And when it happens, you're all excited. <laughs> it's a great experience. And hey, it worked. <laughs> and listen, if you have a car to give away, <laughs> Pastor Rich needs a car. And uh, maybe one for a good price. I don't know. Uh, he, he is so good with his finances. And he's so good that he doesn't have a car. Can you imagine that? He's, got, he's taking care of all of his daughters. Three daughters. And then Carolyn. Four cars. And he's working around to find another car. So he, he can walk to work. He's just right over here, right? Yeah. Why, well, it'd be so cool if somebody could bless him with a car. And, of course, Matt as well. A car, youth pastors always need a better car. Wouldn't you agree? (laughs) It's true. So just some food for thought. I don't need a car. That's okay. But uh, Rich and Matt. Um, So, yeah, God just continues to amaze us with the blessings. Deuteronomy 14.23, And before the Lord your God in the place that He will choose to make His name dwell there, you shall eat the top... Oh, we did this verse. Sorry, let's go on more. Uh, We had a report done on Springbrook in terms of where people were in giving percentage-wise. So we just took like $60,000 as the average household income. And I think it's like $77,000 around here. But we knew that you know, we had to lower it a little bit. So $60,000. So out of that, 25% of the households are tithing or giving more if they were making $60,000. And uh, 20% of the households were giving from 5 to 9% of uh, a $60,000 salary. Then 23% of our households uh, were from 3 to 4%. 70% of the households were 1% to 2%. And 15% of our households were under 1%. What does that show us? we got some growing to do, don't we? Yeah. we got some adventures ahead if we'll step out in faith. In fact... Yeah, God's guarantee. Uh, insert. Yeah, if you look at your message notes, the green one. Thanks, bud. Partnership with God, right here. A biblical stewardship commitment. The concept of tithing is a method of financially supporting the church and its ministry. Tithing means contributing 10% of one's income to the storehouse, the place where one receives spiritual strength, the church they attend. Contributions to missions and parachurch organizations would be considered offering something beyond the tithe. So your part is to bring the whole tithe into the storehouse and test me now in this. God's part is to open for you all the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. 
Recognizing God's desire to become a partner with me and desiring the reward promised in Malachi 3.10, I step out in faith by committing the first 10% of my income for the next 90 days to the Lord through Springbrook Community Church. We have a guarantee. You tithe for 90 days and it's put you in a financial mess, we will give the money back to you. We will, honestly. We'll give the money back to you. We've been doing this for years and years and years. And this is just kind of a, you know, a unique way to challenge people. Say, try it. And you say, I can't do it. I don't have enough money. Well, then you have to work through where do you need to you know, reduce expenses. And, and again, God's going to show up so you can count on him, you know, giving you some of the money that you need. I mean, it's a real step of faith. It really is, and you'll be closer to God than you've been in a long time, <laughs> right? Because it's a step of faith. So, you know, if you're led to do that, I would encourage you just to write your name down. Uh, maybe you already tithe, or I'll begin tithing, uh, and put that in the offering basket. The tithe challenge, God's guarantee. He said, test me now in this. The 3% challenge. Now, Throughout my ministry, I find a few people who take that jump. And praise God. You know, I've heard so many good stories about doing that. I'd probably say the majority don't. And, and I can understand that. There's fear. You don't have enough faith, that type of thing. We're all different places on our spiritual journey. Maybe we're a new Christian or growing. Maybe this is the first time you heard this and you're going, holy God, what's going on? <laughs> Well, I didn't know that. Yeah. So what I want you to do, if God leads you to, is commit to giving 3% more a year to grow to tithe and beyond. So for whatever reason, you can't tithe at this moment. You say, okay, I'm going to take the 3% challenge. I'm going to increase my giving by 3%. So we're giving 1%, 2%, 3%. You just add... 3% 3% to it. And you say, Lord, I want to go on a tithing adventure. So every year I'm going to increase it another 3% and see what you do. Uh, it's exciting. It is. Uh, I'm going to have Andy Suarez come out at this time, and he's going to tell you about how God uh, led him. Hello? There we go. Okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Dan had asked me to talk a little bit about uh, my, my tithing adventure, we'll call it. That sounds a lot more exciting. Um, so, w- when I first became a Christian, um, we, when, when my wife and I both became Christians, uh, we were attending church sporadically, and we were really sporadically giving. And the way that we gave was kind of, well, the way that, since I had the money in my pocket, the way that I kind of gave was kind of um, like, hmm, we're here for an hour and a half. What's an hour and a half of entertainment worth to me? And this was really the way that I kind of looked at it. And so every once in a while I'd throw a 20 in the thing that was coming around. If I had a 20 in my wallet and if I didn't, I'm like, oh, well, next time I'll give him 20 and it'll be okay. And uh, that was kind of the way that we, um, that we gave uh, to churches when we were um, very early in the Christian faith. And like I said, it was only when I have it. And I really just didn't understand the, the concept behind tithing. Um, so fast forward to uh, 
probably, I would say, three or four years ago, um, I started learning more about giving. I started learning more about this isn't just like for this hour and a half here. <laughs> and uh, that there's more being done with the money. And I, God was really kind of working on my heart and was saying like, you need to do something. You need to give more than 20 bucks here and there kind of thing. And so um, we were really tight financially. We were tight for years and years and years financially with things. And so I was like, I'm going to give 3%. And I don't know why I chose 3%. It's probably because 2% sounds too little and 3 is really close to 5, which sounds higher. So 3 sounded like, it's like those guys putting something out there for something 99, right? It's not quite that number. Um, so I gave 3%. And um, I set it up automated too. I set it up online just because then I'm not the one having to like, mm, do I really want to give this this week? It was a tough week. And so I did it online, did it automated so that it was because I knew, I know me and I know the way that I am with that kind of stuff. And even then, every once in a while, I would pause that or I would, I would change the amount for that week. But for the most part, we were giving 3%. And um, it made me feel better. It made me feel better about things. And so um, fast forward. Well, so I, I guess when we became Christians, one of the reasons we became Christians um, um, is that we were, we were living life and we were looking at a lot of the Christian people that we knew. We were strong Christian people and um, we knew people that were not Christians. And we noticed that the people that were Christians seemed to really be a lot happier with their life, seemed to be a, little, a lot more um, content even when they were in bad times. And so that was how we checked out Christianity to begin with and um, then, you know, got in relationship with God and started learning more about him. And uh, when we got involved in, in church and in Christianity and we were in the club, you know, we, you know I, one thing that I noticed is that there's people that they become Christians and then that's like, hey, I'm over the line, I'm cool now. And they come every Sunday and everything, um, but they don't really go further. And then I observed that there was other Christians that are, they're coming and they're in Bible studies and they're serving and they're growing and you see their lives changing, you see decisions being changed. And I was like, I want to do that. I, if I'm in, I'm going to get in. And so being around um, more mature Christians and trying to strive after that. I guess I was kind of coveting that. That's a good coveting though, right? I can covet that. Okay. <laughs> so um, one thing that I noticed that mature Christians were doing is that they were in the Word daily. And I'm still working on that. I'm really close to being every day. Um, but they're praying constantly. And I'm praying. I'm praying all the time. And they're in Bible studies. They're growing in their Word. And they're encouraging other men. And I'm doing that. And one of the things is that they were tithing, which I was like, oh, they're tithing. And so... <laughs> I went online and I looked at tithing and of course you go online with like a skew sometimes. I'm like, okay, I got to find things to support me not having to tithe. And so <laughs> this, is, this is the truth. So I went on there and you know, you find things one way that say, oh, maybe that's not supposed to be done. You find things the other way. And you know what? At the end of the day, it really didn't matter. God was still pulling on my heart and God was still saying like, hey, this doesn't seem right. You need to be giving more. And so um, I'm completely off my thing that I wrote here, but I'm pretty close there. So anyway, one day I kind of sat down uh, and I was praying and kind of just having a conversation with myself and God. And I was just like, what is it that's keeping you from, from doing this? And I came out of that and I really realized it's all about trust, right? So I'm a Christian, supposedly, right? And so I'm saying that I'm going to trust God with my life. I'm going to trust God to take the wheel. I'm going to trust God to help me make decisions. I'm going to have him run my life and not me. And here I am saying, oh, God, I only trust you with 3% of my income. And so it was really kind of like a faith thing that I stepped out and I said, you know what, God, I'm going to trust you and I'm just going to do this. And we really didn't have the money. Um, nope, Rebecca's shaking her head. I got second party confirmation here. Um, we didn't have the money, but we did it. Um, and we just stepped out. We did 10% um, and just went with it. And I kind of just sort of kept my eyes not so much on the bank accounts because I didn't know how it was going to work, but somehow it all worked out. And we had to make a couple cuts here and there with things. Um, but fast forward to today, uh, we've been tithing uh, now for about a year, year and a half. Um, we tithe personally. My business that I own tithes also. 
Uh, we give above and beyond that too. We give to other places. And um, personally, we've been just blessed beyond belief. And you know, we're not millionaires or anything like that. And we still have to watch everything that we're doing and keep things tight. But you know, we're not. I'm not checking the bank accounts ten times a day and making sure I got enough money to get gas to go to the next place that I'm going to. And God has really provided back for us. And my business has been blessed. Um, we've we've been so successful over the last year and a half, two years. Um, as a business, and I really feel that that's God blessing me back. And so what I really came to know is going through all this thing, um, after, after doing this tithe and learning more about what God has to say and everything, I, it, I, it wasn't until after that that it really came to me um, in reading and studying that this was never even my money to begin with. It's kind of like in the Matrix, like if you've ever seen that part in the Matrix, and I'm sorry, this might be a spoiler alert for some of you, but there's this guy Morpheus and this guy Neo, and Morpheus says, oh, you think that's air that you're breathing? And it's kind of like I've realized, like, God's like, oh, you think that's your money? And, you know, if you think about that everything we have here on earth was given to us by God, um, and then to be hoarding that and to not give that back to God to do better, it just it makes so much sense to me now, and we're just, we're just so happy that we've made that decision. We're always looking for ways to, to give in more ways, too. And so, yeah, that's our story. Thanks. I was meeting with a group of guys on Thursday, and Andy told that story, and I said, oh, that would be awesome for our people uh, to hear. Another guy brought up, well, what if you, you know, if you got the Illuminati's every week, okay, 20 bucks, what if you just stopped going to Illuminati's and went to McDonald's or something? But I don't want to do that. But again, you want to honor God, right? So you've got to make choices. And they said, you give a thousand a year. Yeah, that's almost two percent of a sixty thousand dollar salary. I just want to let you know I love you guys, and and I just want you to process through this information. There's no pressure or anything. I'm just. We are disciple-making church, and there are spiritual disciplines for every one of us. Spiritual disciplines of prayer, of fasting, solitude, and giving. And this is a spiritual discipline that we need to teach. Hey, I don't want to stand in front of God and say, why didn't you teach those people about giving to me? And I said, I was too too scared. No, it's not going to fly. Right? I do it out of my responsibility as your shepherd. Let's have our ushers come forward at this time. Dear Lord, thank you. Lord, I pray that you would move in people's hearts and that they would just think about it and really take their time and say, okay, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? In Christ's name, amen.